Welcome, everybody. This is Elaine Taylor-Klaus with Impact ADHD, and we have another spectacular guest here today. Today, we're going to be talking about executive function with Michael Delman, the CEO of Beyond Booksmart. Michael, welcome. We're glad to have you. Oh, thanks so much. Great to be here. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about Michael and what brings him here. We we met actually through the Internet, I guess, um, because we're both doing interesting, innovative work um, in the realm of supporting families with complex issues, with kids who are struggling with learning in some way. Um, Michael is a graduate of Brown University and has a master's from Lesley College. And he taught for many years and then decided to start his own school with about 300 students where he was the principal. And, and through that, he began to develop to see what was needed in, in terms of success in academics. And it wasn't just cognitive ability. There was a real need for kids to improve their executive function skills. And so he, you know, I'll let you tell it, but over time created this really fabulous organization called Beyond Booksmart, where they work directly with students to help them uh, in, improve and master their executive function skills to be more successful in the classroom and, and of course, in life. So, um, Michael, welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thanks so much, Elaine. So we're going to talk today about beating procrastination using executive function skills. So tell us a little bit about what that means for you. Well, for so many parents, they watch their kids look at their homework, walk away from their homework, and not come back to mm -hmm. it. And, mm -hmm. you know, with our we, – we have 200 coaches and we work with thousands of students, and this seems to be one of the most predominant themes is – you know, how do I get my kid just to even start? Uh, and I guess from a parent point of view, there are two things going on. One is the worry. You know, is my child ever going to be able to become independent, to manage himself or herself in college and in the workplace? And the other is it can actually feel disrespectful. You know, I've, I've told them. They said they were going to start. They're not starting. And so what we want to do as parents is to help them understand why their kids procrastinate, and then what they can do about it. Mm -hmm. so, so why do kids procrastinate? <laughs> yeah, you know, probably for the same reasons that we do um, at times, but uh, I, I think there are two things. One is a, a global problem that has to do with we're living in the age of distraction. Uh, you know, we've got apps and games and et cetera and beeps on our phones and everywhere else that, that are kind of pulling us away from what we want to do. And the other mm -hmm. is... If you, yeah, if you have ADHD and you've got executive function challenges about prioritizing and starting and staying focused, the big reasons have to do with boredom and anxiety. So mm -hmm. to boil it down, you know, like if you, if you were to picture one of those bell curves we used to see for, you know, how teachers grade people, on the left-hand side of that uh, bell curve is boredom, and on the right-hand side is anxiety. And we want to be at the right amount in the middle of just enough anxiety keep us moving and engaged and not so much that we're too anxious to really get, you know, to really get the job done. So that's, that's really where, where we try to help students and their parents is to understand that with the right tools and the right strategies, you can be just motivated enough without being at the point of being too anxious to get started. Wow. So I love that, that distinction between boredom and anxiety sort of opposite ends of the curve, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. is, yeah. this, is this different now than it was in the past? Uh, um, it, yes. 
uh, you know, having been in the classroom and running, you know, having run a school, um, we, and I've been in education for 25 plus years now, um, we definitely see a major change. It's always been there. It's always been a challenge, but it's, it's harder now. The temptations are better. Um, kids nowadays, the, the, you know, the distractions and, and so forth, are more addictive and deliberately designed to be so. There's a, an example of um, Snapchat where they actually have these things called streaks where you need to maintain your streak or you will lose that with your friends. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's much easier to procrastinate because you feel very strongly drawn to, you know, to these alternative things. And the other thing is we're expecting more of kids today than we did in the past. The demands are harder Algebra one yeah. is now often an expectation in eighth grade, right? So, you know, with yeah. these kinds of demands, it's 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 scarier. So both in terms of the the lackluster appeal of academic assignments compared to all the shiny, you know, whistles and bells of everything else, and the kind of the frightening level of expectations for our kids, mm-hmm. they need they need more support to know a how to um, put those distractions aside. And for the right time, and B, how they can actually manage the workload without being overwhelmed. So those those right. are the things that I think are, are really important to talk about. Yeah, and can, so can I just pause for one second, because I want to encapsulate what you said, because I think it's it's really critical, is that we've got, what I just heard you say, is that we've got higher expectations. We're expecting more of our kids at a younger age in an environment mm-hmm. where there's more distraction, more complexity, um, more uh, challenges to their executive function, which is what mm-hmm. they need to be able to handle these higher expectations. Yeah, it's, it's enough just to for make, typical it, kids. This isn't I mean, even about to say. <laughs> that's exactly right. It's enough to make anyone, you know, the, the new normal is that we're all a little bit distracted or very distracted, and then if you have mm-hmm. an actual diagnosis and a, a, you know, a really defined challenge, it's that much harder if you're not getting the right pings and the right amount of dopamine released and all the things that, you know, your company is expert with and that we talk about. Uh, it's that much harder if you actually have a diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, yeah. okay, so that sort of sets the stage for, for we parents to remember to come to this with, with some significant compassion for what our kids are going through. Because <laughs> we're asking yeah. a lot of them, right? Um, and the, the other thing you said are. that I, I, I do want to point out is that, you know, there's some parents who are going to go, well, I don't really care if they're bored, they have to do it anyway. Why is that mm-hmm. important to address that issue? Well, you know, it, it's, it's nice to be able to say that um, and, and wish that, and we all do. We wish that we could just you know, say, hey, you need to do this. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of grabbing an imaginary kid's shoulders right now from, from over the phone. But, you know, right. the, the reality is it, you, an analogy kind of helps, the, the gas in the car one. If you don't have enough gas in the car, you can, you can yell at that car all you want, but it's not going anywhere. <laughs> you could even push the car, and it's still, it will go somewhere, but not as, not as well as if you actually put gas in the car. And, and just on mm-hmm. the flip side, if you flood the engine – with too much gas all at once, you know, that, that's anxiety, and that car's also not going anywhere. So, again, we just want to be able to put the right amount of stress in. So that, that's, it's a delicate balance, and I think as parents, we're not really wired for, for that. We, we think 
I've got to do this. It's urgent. It's important. I've got to, you know, I've got to get things moving. But without a bit of technique to it, it's not going to actually be effective. It's going to actually have a, you know, kind of a backfiring effect and have our kids just more anxious or more frustrated, um, you know. And so, so, so a little bit of poke can be good for the kid who's, who's bored, but it's got to be done in, in an effective way. And uh, if you like, I have some suggestions that might be helpful. I, I was going to say, let's, let's go into what some of, the, some of those tools and strategies might be to help. And, and in, in our realm, when we talk about executive function, um, for those people in our community who are listening, we're really talking about initiation, getting started, getting activated. Yes. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah, so I guess, you know, to begin with, if, if we're going to – talk about those kids who are bored and, and truly don't see that much interest in, in the work itself, um, one of the things you can do is to turn the work into a bit of a game. And, and you know, by way of example, um, kids studying for a science test and it's on the parts of a cell, and you could make them into flashcards, and that's okay, and you could keep score on the flashcards, but you can make it more interesting and interview the different parts of the cell. So, your, you know, your child could be the mitochondria, the mighty, mighty mitochondria, or the endoplasmic reticulum, and you just ask some questions. So, hey, endoplasmic reticulum, you know, the nucleus was kind of talking trash about you, saying that you're not all that important compared to him. What do you have to say? And the kid goes, are you kidding me? The, the nucleus is, is <laughs> sure, the big boss, but without me doing this, you know, that – so you can you can role play and it's fun and it makes it more memorable. You're encoding the stuff in a better way. So when it comes time to recall the information, it's actually better during the test. But that you talk about task initiation, it's a lot better. Um, there was a student that um, we worked with and the parent worked with us too, and she had to memorize the, the you know the ten um, the first ten amendments, the Bill of Rights, and totally boring flashcards were not doing it. They all seemed to be, you know, jumbled one after you know, what was what was the fourth amendment? No one has any idea. The first amendment, the fifth maybe, but you know, what what was what? And so what you know what we did is I modeled this first. I came into the room with a, a terrible British accent and I said, you know, I I'm sure I'll sound more Australian than anything else. I said, right then, we need to go and um search your house. And she said, what? You can't search my house. And I said, says who? And she said, well, it's the Fourth Amendment or whatever it was. I think it was the Fourth. But, um, but right. now she had a vested interest in defending her home. And then later we switched it, and she was the one with the terrible British accent, and I was the one, you know, saying, you can't do that based on such and such amendment. So if you're going to have, you know, if you're going to counter boredom, you need to you need to up the fun factor a bit, make it interesting. That's one example is to make it into a game. Um, another so, thing you so can do there. Let me just ask you a question yeah. on that because I can see how that would work for parents who are working on the homework with young kids. What yep. strategies can you offer for for this for teenagers who might be expected to work independently or want to work mm. independently but are having a hard time getting started? Well, one of the things there can be to put a challenge, and a challenge automatically ups the, um, the kind of the amount of energy involved in an interaction. So with our kids, we can say, so I, I've got two teenagers myself. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the way the challenge is phrased has to be done in a way that's respectful, but it can be, look, I know this is, this is challenging and this, you know, or, or say it's 
you know, boring. I know that you're not too into this. How about this? You can, if you get this assignment done in the next 30 minutes or the next, you know, hour, I'd go with 30 minutes personally, but if you can get a certain amount done in the next half hour, then you can spend the next hour doing whatever it is you want to do. You can watch that Netflix show. You can call your friends. You can be on social media. But it's a simple reward system, but it's not, um, it, you know, it, it's one that is respectful of the need of this, you know, this young teenager to be able to manage their time a bit. So um, they, they want to have some of that. So we do something called the fast break for older kids. And what that is is before they even start their work, they actually plan it out and say, this is what I'm going to do. Here's when I'm going to do it. And now the parents are not involved in the actual completion of the work, but mom and dad might be involved with saying, okay, I just want to see that you're actually doing it. I'm not going to micromanage you. Uh, some language that can be helpful around that is to say, look, basically we are the CEOs of the house. You are the vice president of the, you know, Johnny or Susie division. And so you have a lot of latitude in getting it done as long as it is getting done. My job is to help keep you on track and to talk about your deadlines and your priorities with you. So having that kind of analogy and using the fast break as a tool can be a way to maintain the relationship of you're still the one in charge, but I'm helping keep you on track. Does that make some mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly time flies and how little time we have left. So, um, yes. <laughs> so let's, let's see. Any other tools that you, you wanted to share today? Sure. I think just one or two that are really important. Um, one is for anxious kids because we talked about the board. But yes. for an anxious kid, obviously breaking things up into chunks makes a big difference. So you're not looking at the whole mountain at once. A way to do that is to set five-minute goals. So when task initiation is a challenge, instead of saying, what can, you know, how will you get this whole thing done, just say, what can you get done in five minutes. That's a really helpful thing. The other one I would mention is when you're dealing with even scarier things than a nightly homework assignment, uh, so when we're talking about projects that can really, mm -hmm. you know, cause one to delay and delay and delay until it's really too late and now there's panic setting in. Um, it's really two steps. The first is to use a project management tool, and there are so many out there, but, you know, we, you know we, another time we could talk about this, but a project management tool to raise the anxiety level a little bit to get um, enough energy into it. And then secondly, then to zoom in onto one piece to stay calm. So, you know, that, that's, what we're, that's what we're doing. Finally, there's an overall attitude, Elaine, which is shifting from doing your best to doing what makes sense. A lot of parents say, I just want my kid to do their best. It's actually not that helpful. It can raise anxiety. Right, agreed. So with kids, yeah. with kids, are just I never say to them, "Do your best." I say, "Let's talk about what makes sense given the value and the number of points for this assignment, so that you're not stressed out about it." So hopefully, that mm -hmm. that is uh, that's a bit helpful. No, I think that's extremely helpful. Yeah, you know, I'm just thinking about what you've said, and I remember when my when my oldest child was in in high school, and she she was the one that struggled the much most with school and had the most anxiety around it. Um, that five-minute piece was really helpful because it wasn't doing the work. It was getting started. And so once Absolutely. we got her started, I'd come check up on her. She's like, leave me alone. I got it, right? But it was getting <laughs> her going that was so hard. Um, and it's that amazing how a five-minute goal, right, turns into 20 minutes it of can work. It really help. So, yeah. 
but the other yeah. thing I really see is, is that notion of, well, they are doing their best. And we, it's sometimes mm. we forget to see that it's really, mm-hmm. really hard for them. And it's mm-hmm. just maybe that they're doing their best in the moment may not be what we want it to be or what we think mm, it could be. So them. well said. But when they're mm-hmm. crippled with anxiety, that may be as good as it gets for them in the moment. So that question of what is realistic for this kid at this time is essential. Mm-hmm. It's so essential. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm, thank you. Really, really. Yeah. Um, how do you know what the right amount is to push a child who procrastinates? Well, you know, I think the first thing is for all of our kids, we, we have to have, we have to have the patience of growing trees. Instead of sitting, like, you know, you would never look out at a tree and say it didn't grow much today. You know, you, you look out and say it's it's moving along. I watered it. It's like coming in the right direction. So we just got to be patient with them. Um, that you know, that said, you know, kids are at different stages in their readiness to be pushed, and and yeah. it, it depends. If, if a kid's super anxious and they're saying I can't do this, I won't do this, well. You know, we need to use the right kind of techniques. We need to be empathic. We need to knock before entering. Say, is this an okay time for us yes. to talk? Kind of need to normalize and say, you know what, you know, uh, daughter, son, this is something that a lot of kids struggle with. You're not the only one. I get it. We're not going to try to be perfect here. We're just going to get this in, in a reasonable place. So those are what we do with the kids who are super anxious. When they get a little further on and they're maybe more, you know, ready to start and well, then we do Google alerts and calendar alerts, and we, and we you know, we set up the, the planner and those, those kinds of things. But first, we've got to help ease them out of that, that very resistant stage where they're feeling frightened and frustrated. Right. So, yeah, I, just, know, I remember I how wanna, many years. I want to push the right that, amount, just the right amount. Exactly. I, I was remembering how many years it took that same child I was talking about to learn to use a, a calendar. It took years because she wasn't mm-hmm. ready when she was 15 mm-hmm. um, and, or even when she was 17 or, eight, you know, it took, mm-hmm. it took a long time for her. Now she uses it well, but it, it, we had to wait till she was ready to embrace the tool. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think we need to sort of wrap up a little bit. Michael, tell, sure. tell people a little bit about how they can find you. Oh, sure. So, our website is beyondbooksmart.com. That's really the best way. Yeah, and there's some amazing resources. There are some great articles, so really encourage you to check it out, beyondbooksmart.com. Um, and as we sort of wrap up today, you got any final words of wisdom or a you know t- takeaway <laughs> to leave people with? I won't. I won't. Uh, I, won't procrastination. No <laughs> I won't say no to that opportunity. Well, I, you know, I guess Elaine, the you know the most important thing is to understand whether you're dealing with someone who's procrastinating because they're bored or because they're anxious. And um, there's, there's a famous saying, you know, that uh, I heard a rabbi say once, which is, my job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So um, <laughs> it's a good way to think about it here. If the, if the child's kind of bored, you know what our job is with our kids is to get them just a little more, a little more um, perked up and, and motivated. And when they're anxious, we need to calm them down and help them focus. And once we've got that, once we've moved them toward a, what, what's known as peak performance level, where they're, they've got, you know, some enthusiasm, but they're not too anxious, well, then we can work on plans and tools and, you know, have all the um, organizational tools that we all have at our, at our disposal. But we, the first okay. thing really is to help them so that we don't have to wait three, four, five years for them to be ready. We can move them so that they – 
they're more receptive to getting that support now. So that, that is really the essence of helping with procrastinators. Brilliant. Thank you. Our guest has been Michael thank Bellman, you. CEO of Beyond Book Smart. So glad to have you. Um, oh, thank you and, so much for having me. And I, and I do believe we're scheduled to have you again on the show, so I'm really happy to, to have this conversation and look forward to the next one. You can find out more from Michael at beyondbooksmart.com and check out all of the other interviews we do on impactadhd.com. And I uh, hope everybody has a great day, and thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you soon.